0: Welcome to the Covert Narcissism Podcast. I'm your host, Renee Swanson. Living with a covert narcissist is like trying to live in a war zone or in a courtroom when you're the one that's on trial. You know, my son is traveling this week with his dad and his dad is, is a covert narcissist. It's my ex. And I had been nervous about this trip, and I sincerely hope that everything is going really well for them. And I texted my son on his second day out, and I asked, hey, how's it going? His words spoke volumes. He said, yeah, everything's going okay, but it's just hard to relax. This is exactly how life is with a covert narcissist. You never feel like you can simply relax. And it's just because you never feel like it's okay to just be you. I'm Renee Swanson, your host on the Covert Narcissism Podcast and the creator of the Facebook support group, Covert Narcissism Group. I've been gone for about a week and I, I've missed you guys intensely and I'm, I'm so eager to be back. And I want to talk about my son's words about it's just hard to relax. His words just really struck a chord with me. And, and when you're with the, a covert narcissist, you really don't feel like you can ever relax. You can't just put your feet up and just be you. You can't voice your own opinion about anything because everything is met with resistance and invalidation. I'll give you a few examples. You might say something like, you know, hey, I like to read. And he'll respond, no, you don't. You don't ever read. And just it makes you feel like you're just an idiot and and you got to defend your right to like to read. And so your mind is now rolling through all the books that you've read. All the times you've read when he wasn't around or all the nights that you wish you had time to read, you know, you, the days that you dream of having more time to read, it's okay to like to read, but he will make it to where it's not. It's not okay to like to read. And if you're in front of other people, like you're with your friends or something, it makes it even worse. You're trying to talk to your friend, you're not even talking to him. And you say, yeah, I really like to read. And he chimes in and says, no, you don't. It makes you feel like a complete fool. You might say something, I mean, simple. This could be anything. These examples could be anything. You might say, you know, oh, I would love to have more cabinet space in the kitchen. Well, his response, why? You've already got it all filled up with junk that we don't ever use and we don't even need. Oh, well, now all of a sudden again, your feelings, your desires, your wants, your opinions, they don't matter. Your mind goes through all the things that you have in the cupboards and all the things that all the times that you've used them. And you might even try to tell him some of this, but he is going to rebuttal everything you say and it just becomes not worth it. You might say something like, Hey, I'm going to a movie with my friend tonight. And for me, this was always a problem. He hated for me to do anything with my friends. You know, for me to have a girl's evening, I always paid for it. It was just always a problem. And so I almost never went. And then when I would go that one time, maybe once in six months, I would finally go out with a girlfriend and go out and have dinner or go see a movie. He would respond, well, why do you want to go with them? As though I'm just stupid for wanting to have this friendship, you know, or why do you, why don't you want to see that movie with me? You know, I want to see it too, making me feel guilty. You know, it just over and over all of these feelings. And my mind would go through all the many activities that I do with him, even though he would tell me, Well, you never do anything with me and it would play through all of these times that I spent time with him, and yet it would also play through all of these very few things that I did with my own friends. You know, I didn't realize how much covert narcissistic abuse isolates you from your friends, and this is why. Because you have to fight for every single minute that you can spend with somebody that is not that abuser. You know, I I had not gone to a movie with my friend in years. Yet here it was, I was defending myself for one single evening. When you're with a covert narcissist, you are constantly on high alert. You just know that things are going to be a problem. Everything, any opinion you give, any conversation you have, any comment you make, any event, everything is a potential problem. So you feel like you're living in a courtroom you know you're always on trial you're always under attack you're always needing your defense attorney there you know you're always having to defend your thoughts and your opinions nothing's ever safe and you remain in a constant state of hypervigilance this is like living in a war zone you know i've never been to a war zone other than my marriage but i can imagine that this would be and i and i hear from other people and i know i can't understand because i've never lived it just like i believe that nobody can really truly understand covert narcissism unless they've lived it but it's like you're constantly under attack like you're living in a war zone covert narcissists belittle you for having your own opinions and thoughts they put you down they make you feel bad they confuse you to what reality actually is you don't like to read when you know that you like to read, you know, maybe, yeah, you, had, you don't have time for it, but that doesn't mean you don't like to read. You still like to read. And, and yet they will try to confuse reality and confuse it within your own mind. And they expect you to accept their reality. Anything outside of this is going to be targeted. So what does that do to your mind? Your mind is always trying to stay ahead of the conflicts. Constantly trying to stay ahead. You build opening arguments in anticipation of a problem that doesn't even exist. And you do this all the time daily, hourly, by the minute. You see potential problems everywhere because you know that at any second you're going to have to defend yourself. Now, once you're actually in the problem, your mind goes into a survival mode. You feel like you're under examination. And so you try every angle you can to find peace. You might even experience some reactive abuse where you flare out at your, at your abuser out of just desperation. And so this is, you know, in the midst of all of this, that survival mode that kicks in. And last is after, you know, the conflict is over, although I don't, it's not actually ever over. But once you walk away, you never find resolution. And that's what I mean by it's never over. You can walk away, but your mind is now making multiple closing arguments. Most of these will never be voiced. Most of these will never be said. But your mind is going to, going to still be trying to convince you that what you did was okay or what you said was okay. And so you've got all these closing arguments going in your mind. And while you're walking away with the closing arguments of one situation, the whole cycle starts all over again. And your mind is back on watch, trying to anticipate the next problem. You know, many victims of covert narcissistic abuse struggle to recover from all of this damage. How? How do you heal? How do you find peace when your mind has been playing these mind games for so many years? And the longer you've been in the relationship, the more ingrained it will be in you. You know, people search for help in so many different ways. They're looking for therapists, support groups, videos, blogs, books, counseling, all of this stuff. And and you're just trying to find peace inside your own head. You know, you're still trying to, you're still finding that you are on high alert. And even though you've left the relationship, you leave the relationship thinking, great, now I can finally be at peace and you're not. And so it gets frustrating. And I want to talk about the path of healing, you know, in this episode, I want to talk about specifically how to get your mind to relax. You see, normal life things will still happen. Uh, disagreements will still happen, or you might be in the situation where you're trying to voice your opinion. Even voicing your opinion was such a problem that now that the relationship's over and you're with friends and you're trying to voice your opinion, your mind will go back into that, oh no, I'm going to have to defend this opinion. I'm going to have to come up. And all of the old habits will still be there. Your mind is still consumed with opening and closing arguments, cross-examinations, and appeals. So you still feel like you're extremely you know, under attack and that you have to defend yourself and this is very normal very normal when somebody has come out of a relationship with a covert narcissist now regarding healing there are no magic steps to follow there's no one size fits all remedy you know there's no step-by-step instructions healing is specific to you and i will go ahead and warn you healing is messy You're going to have some days that feel like you're making true progress, but you're going to have plenty of days that just feel disastrous. And you're going to think, I'm not getting anywhere. You know, you're going to have times where those emotions all flare right back up and all those feelings come boiling back in. And you're going to think, this is damage that's just irreparable. But I'm here to tell you that it's not irreparable. You can heal. I encourage all victims to pursue paths of healing. Find paths that speak to you. It's not going to be one size fits all. It's not. You might find one direction that works really, really well for you. Well, get on that path then and stay with it. And if you start down a path of healing and you find it's not working for you, don't get discouraged. Just shift over to a different direction. Find a different path of healing. Find one that connects with you. If it feels like the right path, then take it. Listen to your heart. Your heart has been pushed down long enough. It has been ignored long enough. You may not continue ignoring it. It is time for you to listen to your own heart. Now, I want to give you some suggestions for healing that specifically deal with letting your mind relax. And and this is just things that I've tried, things that I've read and experimented with, and things that really just connected with me. Number one is pay attention to your thoughts. Identify that courtroom experience that's going on inside your own head. Identify the opening arguments, the closing arguments, the defensive thoughts, the argumentative thoughts, the worry thoughts, anticipating problems that don't even exist. Identify it. Start paying attention to your thoughts. Identify what's going on in there. You don't have to judge them. Please don't judge them. Understand where they come from. Just start paying attention to them next another suggestion is to journal write down these things that happened the value in this is unbelievable and here's what it does is it allows your mind to finally let go of all the arguments the examinations the appeals it finally lets your mind relax write it down this does not have to be fancy you don't have to have correct grammar you don't have to use punctuation it can be one Long run-on sentence that can go for I don't know, a hundred pages. I don't care. Get it written down. Just get them down. Voice recording works well too. Get on a voice recorder and just start blabbing all the stuff that happened, all the examinations in your mind that was going on, all the arguments, all the thoughts. Get it written down so that your mind can stop being the the memory bank for all of this. You know, your mind just holds on to it because it's validating your feelings and validating who you are. And so your mind is storing it, get it down, get it written down on something on paper or in a voice recorder so that your mind can let it go. Another suggestion, find one or two people in your life with whom you do feel safe and can start voicing your own opinion and start small. You know, this takes practice. You have not been free to voice your opinion for however long you were in that abusive relationship. And now you want to practice this. I don't suggest you start by diving into religion and politics. Those are just heated topics for any relationship, any friendship. Start small, you know, a a movie that you like or a food preference or, you know, something that's going on in the news and you want to voice an opinion about it. Start simple. and, And then as you get more secure in that and you start to trust that you're able to voice your opinion without getting just annihilated you will start getting more secure in that. And you will start to learn that, you know, these are people I can trust. These are people that are not. And you will start to identify that difference. Another crucial step is to find your own identity again. When you are with a covert narcissist, you lose your own identity. Your your identity becomes pleasing them Your identity becomes trying to stay out of their uh anger and out of their rage and off of their target and that becomes who you are well that's not who you are you you are so much more than that you have so much to offer to this world you have so much to offer to yourself and to your own little pocket of this world and so start finding out who you are again how do you want to spend your time what sort of things do you like to do what hobbies Who do you want to spend the time with? You know, these are important things for you to start uh, exploring and start recognizing. And it's, it's so important that you don't jump right into another relationship. Because if you do that, if you leave an abusive relationship before you spend time identifying who you are and you dive right into another relationship, your identity will become all about that other relationship. Whether that is a toxic person or not will not matter. Because your identity will become completely absorbed in that person. You must take time to find you. Now, another important step is you need to accept that you will still have feelings that don't make sense. When you've come out of a relationship that's an abusive relationship, your feelings are all over the board. You know, you're, you're even going to still have feelings for your abuser. You might be holding on to some positive memories that you had, and all of a sudden you're having mem- uh, feelings for that person. That's okay. Accept that this will happen and that these feelings don't make sense, but that's okay. You're still going to have feelings of being beaten down. You're going to have feelings that you don't matter. You're going to have feelings that you need to defend and protect yourself. You're going to have feelings of being unworthy. You know, all of these are going to be feelings that you're going to have. And, and you need to accept that. Identify that these feelings are there, just like you're trying to identify the thoughts going on in your head. Identify your feelings as well and, and accept them. And accept that these are new feelings from a new you. These feelings are going to remind you of all the old feelings that you had. And you'll think that maybe you still are that same person you were before. Or maybe you're still in the same place as you were before. Because these feelings are going to identify with that um, victim uh, place where you were in that relationship. But it's not the same you. Even if the only step you have taken is to get out of that relationship, this is a new you. These are new feelings from a new you. You've started to create that new you by by leaving the relationship. Baby steps count. Your growth and your forward progress, they matter even if they're tiny steps. So recognize these feelings, but recognize them that they they are new feelings. They are feelings that you are seeing from a new perspective because this is a new you. Another step that I strongly encourage you to take is to make a forgiveness list. Now, I'm not talking about forgiving your abuser. That's a tough issue, and it's one that we'll deal with later at another time. I'm talking about forgiving yourself. You need to make a list of all the things that you need to forgive yourself for. Maybe it's for choosing that relationship. How about for spending so many years in it? For giving him so much power over you, your thoughts, your feelings. For losing your own identity, your desires. For not standing up for yourself more successfully. And for not being good enough in his eyes. And and for that one, not only were you not good enough in his eyes, that became you were not good enough in your own eyes. And you need to forgive yourself for that. You were not, you were manipulated. You were lied to. You were abused. You need to forgive yourself for these things. And you need to make a forgiveness list. And it's a list that you need to start identifying where you need to spend time caring for your own heart, your own thoughts, your own feelings. And make that forgiveness list. You know, victims of covert narcissistic abuse, they live with a constant feeling that they are not good enough. You have been belittled and gaslit for years. You've been told repeatedly that you don't matter in this world, that only your abuser matters. But now it is time for you to start believing in yourself again, for for you to start trusting yourself again. Recognize the abuse for what it is. Once you do this, once a victim identifies The abuse. They identified that they were lied to and that they were manipulated. That is the first step to begin to take back your own life. You need to recognize that what the abuser said was simply not true. Learn that your feelings about all of this were completely valid and recognize that you're in that different place today. Even one or two steps on that road to recovery are still steps in the right direction. I want to add one piece to this is you may never get closure and you're going to have to accept this. This is a tough one because we so badly desire closure. You know, the ending of a relationship with a covert narcissist can leave you desperately craving closure. We want to hear them own up to their own words and behaviors. One time, can they just say, I'm so sorry, I didn't mean to hurt you this way, but you will never hear that. We want it so badly. But it will never happen with a covert narcissist. It will never happen in a way that you truly find closure. And I encourage you to listen to my episode that's called No Reconciliation Ever with a Covert Narcissist because I talk about this there. Instead of searching for closure, turn towards indifference, towards this difficult person in your life. Indifference is a wonderful part of the healing journey. You no longer give value to their criticisms, to their manipulations, to their invalidations. You're no longer reacting. You're no longer holding court in your mind. Wow, that was huge for me. When I finally realized I was no longer holding court inside my own head. Wow, I had so much more space in my mind, so much more freedom. Finally, I could start to relax. It was just so hard to relax in that relationship. And finally, when I finally quit holding court in my head, I could relax. You know, I do not hold on to anger towards my ex. It's not because he deserves forgiveness. Again, I said, we'll deal with that later. I don't hold on to that anger because he simply is not worth all that negative energy being inside of me. Holding on to anger is a high price to pay and I just won't do it. He is not valuable enough to me anymore and that is a wonderful place to be. Thank you so much for joining me today. I wish you so much peace on your journey of healing. You have been listening to the Covert Narcissism Podcast with your host, Renee Swanson. Be sure to check out our website at www.covertnarcissism.com. There you will find many resources just for you to help you on this journey. You can also reach out to me by email at renee, R-E-N-E-E, at cnglifecoaching.com. Those letters are C-N-G as in Covert Narcissism Group. I do look forward to hearing from you. I wish you so much peace on your journey of healing.